0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story, this is The Point.
1: Welcome to The Point, an opinion show coming to you from Beijing. I'm Li Xin hot economics and code politics between China and the U.S. American business tycoons including Bill Gates, Tim Cook and Elon Musk have lined up to visit China this year for whom China rode out the red carpets. However, political dialogue between the two sides got off to a slow start with the U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's trip postponed over the so-called spy balloon incident. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin could not even get an appointment with his Chinese counterpart during his trip to Asia. The awkwardness was only slightly lifted when Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen finally made it here in the Chinese capital early July. Some media are dubbing this current picture as hot economics and code politics. Is that an accurate description of the situation? Can we compartmentalize the two tracks for long? I'm pleased to be joined from Shanghai by Manuel Menendez a veteran american businessman who first came to china in 1979 he's now the founder and ceo of mcm group holdings mr menendez welcome to the point so as I said, since beginning of this year, as soon as the COVID restrictions were lifted, U.S. business magnates have been flocking to China, and they were warmly received. Um, Bill Gates was even received and uh, held talks with Chinese President Xi Jinping. So, what are what were dro- driving these business people, and uh, what explains the Chinese reception?
2: Well, oh, I think um, these are significant markets for those particular entrepreneurs, and I think over the years, they've learned uh, uh, how to navigate uh, cooperation, even though sometimes there's some differences. Uh, they understand that the, uh, the markets uh, uh, for the U.S. and for China are very significant and they're not going away. So in our last conversation, we talked about decoupling, which is not going to happen. They are living proof. They're companies that they've established that there is no decoupling.
1: Are you concerned about the cooler political atmosphere between the two sides? Uh, As I mentioned, you know, the the dialogue that is barely, that is grudgingly going on between the two sides. Are you concerned?
2: I've been concerned anytime there's been a hiccup in the relations. uh, Since the opening period to now, there's been hiccups as we uh, go along uh, each chapter. There's always a new chapter. I think I, I call this chapter five. First 10 years was chapter one second 10 years was chapter two but we're on chapter five and i think there's challenges in each chapter i am concerned uh but i am also excited and delighted that there's been some momentum created i I talked about momentum before you know the first and most difficult thing when you have business momentum is the first move of energy you use the most energy and then as you keep momentum going you use less and less energy, less and less resistance. And I think we started having that. Secretary Blinken coming was great. Secretary Yellen, I think, did a fabulous job of speaking direct, directly and candidly and addressing some tough issues, uh, but had, the I think, a, a wonderful spirit of saying we can agree to disagree on certain things and let's work on common areas of common interest uh, and then move the for- world forward with the two world's largest economies as so I was very excited about Secretary uh, Yellen's visit
1: some observers are less excited saying that basically she was sending uh... very few new messages and she continued to say the united states will continue to take uh... to diversify critical supply chains and and take uh... targeted uh, measures in areas concerning national security um... do you foresee there will be specific policy changes in the on the part of the united States when it comes to investing in china
2: there could be. I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone has a, cr- a crystal ball that will say the, that specifically. But I think the key point is that she came. We've had two secretaries uh, of the uh, President Biden's cabinet come within a month. I think more will come. And I think on the economic front, when it comes to economic U.S.-China economic relations, I think that we are making some momentum. So coming and addressing the issues and start, starting to talk about some specific actionable items. I think that's the right uh, the right message the right situation. Yeah, there there are going to be still there's I think Secretary Yellen said it well, there there are areas that we disagree on, uh but we have to talk about those and and get clarity of what that that what does that mean, you know, uh and mm-hmm. I think the clarity uh only comes from meeting and more discussions.
1: Well, absolutely. At the same time the United States will be going into another election cycle. And that is often worrying because uh, relations with China or trade with China could be used in a uber simplistic way to attract votes. Uh, Are you potentially concerned about that? Do you think um, some of uh, the strong rhetoric have finally quieted down and people are uh, seeing the picture? clear in, you know, a little bit more clearer after the fiasco we witnessed surrounding the tariff
2: war? I think, uh, well, the 301 uh, area we have to definitely address in, in the next round of discussions. Uh, I think Secretary uh, Raimondo will be coming over and and other trade representatives. I think we need to get into the detail of some of the trade sanctions that were uh, in the implemented by uh, President Trump and then continued with President Biden we need to really examine those lists and see what could be freed up but yes I am definitely concerned there will be tremendous rhetoric and I would say to the Chinese public just be prepared for it uh, because right now we're in the presidential hunting season uh, where you have on the uh, Republican side I think it's 10 or 12 uh, candidates vying for Uh, positions and you have a a bunch of uh, Democrats on the Democratic side. And China is in the crosshairs of everyone because they have to uh, show uh, to the American people that they'll be tough on uh, uh, US-China relations. Uh, But I think there's the reality of primaries where people are fighting to get their primary nomination. And then after uh, presidents get into power, typically I think things get more calmer and normalize And I'm hoping that that will be the case in 2024, but it's gonna be the next 18 months is gonna be a, I think a rocky road for a lot of rhetoric on US-China relations. That's Mm. gonna definitely happen.
1: Yeah. It's already
2: happening already.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, in the United States, whenever they talk about trade with China, you know, that's good. It's all the things, all the cheap commodities or and quality products slowly coming from China. But on the other hand, people never forget to mention human rights, you know, one-party rule, communism. And their rationale is, why are you <coughs> rewarding a country with bad human rights record by giving them money by buying their goods by increasing a trade with what is your answer to such questions and such uh, way of thinking
2: Well, t- typically I tried to avoid those issues uh, because of a, I'm a businessman uh, I think that each country has its own unique challenges and I think there's room in the world for more than one type of system so uh, I think that if we just consider China's way uh, over 5,000 years, they have their own history, their own culture, their own system. We have 247 years of US history. We have our own uh, structure. Uh, But it doesn't mean that uh, our structure and other structures in the world can't coexist. So I I think that the proof of that has been the 40 years of tremendous economic relations between the two countries. And I think that that should continue.
1: What is the... Single most important tip, if you were to provide any to a fellow foreign business person who wants to be in China and continue to, be, to, to prosper in that market, what would it be? What would you say?
2: I, I think that, the, first of all, the market is significant and large. But I think uh, my approach has always been whatever business you're trying to establish come with an open mind understand that you know that China opening period started in 19 really 1979 and uh, as China develops it's not a such a mature system there's still a lot of room for development uh, because it's in that 40 year period 40 some year period so just listen understand and really have mutual understanding I said this before Mutual understanding is not uh, something that's easy to get to. It requires lots of discussion. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting a business, if you have good and mutual understanding, and you always start off with the principle of mutual respect, you have to respect that you're in a foreign country, there's right. rules and regulations in the country, uh, and understand what the rules and regulations are. Don't, uh, I tell a lot of my Western friends, don't come to China and say, oh, this rule or that rule, I hate it, I don't like it. My uh, suggestion is don't come then. If you don't understand what the rules and regulations are, that's what they are today. Are they changing? Yes. Is China changing them? Yes, step by step and slowly. But come not with the attitude or view uh, of negativism that this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Don't come. Wait uh, until you, you like the conditions. And the last thing is make sure that whatever deal you do, there's true mutual benefit in in a sustainable way, not just in an immediate way. Mm. So those are the three things, always mutual understanding, mutual benefit and mutual respect.
1: Manuel Menendez, founder and CEO of MCM Group Holdings. When we come back, people to people exchanges between China and the US slided along with bilateral political relations over the past few years. What brought this on? Stay tuned. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak.
0: bonjour. Comment allez-vous?
1: Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common: we have hope for humanity and the world. German Railway Company Deutsche The United Nations Climate. Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world
0: making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point.
1: With the downturn of uh, China-U.S. relations over the past few years, bilateral people-to-people exchanges suffered too. Data show that Chinese students have been cooling on U.S. colleges and universities since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. In contrast, universities in the U.K., France, Germany and Russia are attracting more Chinese youth Scholarly and other people-to-people exchanges also dropped and a growing number of Confucius institutes were shut down in the US as well what happened with non governmental exchanges has US higher education losses clean or there are other factors that impeded the civil exchanges how can things pick up again I had the opportunity to talk with Professor Shea Tao Dean of the school of international relations and diplomacy at Beijing Foreign Studies University Professor Xie, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, First of all, what is your understanding of the picture of people-to-people exchanges between China and America at the moment, especially when it comes to scholars and students?
0: I have to say that uh, U.S.-China scholarly exchanges have come down to arguably the lowest point since uh, Richard Nixon's visit in 1972. And you look at the numbers, uh, for example, uh American scholars coming over to China uh, after the pandemic was over. It's a very, very few of them have come over to China. And I would say the same also applies to the Chinese side, that very few Chinese scholars are uh, going to the United States or have gone to the United States. I think probably the number on both sides are less or fewer than one hundred, up to now.
1: Wow, for the whole country, for for for, for the all whole
0: country. Uh, uh, my counting starting period is when China opened up after the pandemic was over. That is uh, uh, starting from January eighth.
1: What was the original level? Or what was the previous level? What is the level between China? And European countries and the UK, for instance, uh, um, how low is this 100? Uh,
0: This 100, to put this number in uh, comparative perspective, uh, I would say the number between China and uh, EU countries like China and France, China, Germany, or China, UK, uh, I would say perhaps at least five or six times more than that uh, between China and the United States. And one key reason is, of course, uh, the very limited number of flights between the United States and China right now. Uh, You probably heard the number, uh, Duxian, that before the pandemic, uh, there are about 300 flights between China and the United States every week. Uh, Today, we have uh, about 28 flights every week. That is about it's one than one pence. tenth. Yeah. yeah. So because of the limited flights and that means uh, uh, flight flares are very high. It's quite expensive. We're talking about 5,000 or 6,000 US dollars at least for round trip. And so that is a major factor that is uh, prohibiting American and Chinese scholars from traveling to the other country.
1: What could be some other reasons that are also making people having second thoughts? Uh, are we seeing invitations being given both ways as adequately as they used to be? Uh,
0: no, no, you are right, uh, Liu Shen. Uh, you mentioned another key factor. I would say this is, a, in my view, much more important than the limited number of flights. That is the overall, uh, uh, I would just say, hostile uh, environment uh especially in the United States uh, because there there is this uh, perception that uh, the Chinese government would uh, uh, practice quote and quote uh wrong for detention of American as coming over to China and so if you notice, last week the State Department issued a travel advisory to American citizens traveling to China and the one of the reasons cited by the State Department is so-called wrongful detention so in there you can see this uh, uh in a fear of coming over to China uh, uh, but of course that fear is generated by exaggeration uh I I don't see like why the Chinese government is being accused of uh, practicing wrongful detention uh, but that absolutely contributes to this uh unwillingness among American scholars to come over here.
1: What do you think could prompted the Biden administration, the relevant authorities under the Biden administration, to issue such uh, a notice, especially when We are seeing efforts from the Biden administration to reach out to China. We have seen, right, a whole host of uh, uh, secretaries trying to meet or meeting with Chinese counterparts. But on the other hand, they're issuing this kind of uh, directives, which is uh, pulling in the opposite direction, it seems.
0: Right. Uh, For example, uh, U.S. Secretary of Antony Blinken was in Beijing a few weeks ago. And we know the U.S. Treasury Secretary, uh, uh, Janet Yellen was in Beijing. Uh, so you can see that on the one hand, the U.S. government is sending out a clear signal that they want to, uh, promote U.S. China people to people exchanges. I remember uh, Secretary Anthony Blinken said that the two governments will work together to increase flights. On the other hand, however, as I said, they do issue this, uh, you know, very scary travel advisory. And so for all the Americans and uh, American scholars, when they see this, when they get this message, they would have obviously second thoughts. Why would I want to risk going to China, right? So it's 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 very bad.
1: What is the impact or the legacy of the Chinese initiative that started a couple of years ago targeting uh, people in the in the Academia who have close collaboration or relationship with Chinese universities or uh, research institutions there have been several cases involving um um uh scientists or Scholars of Chinese of Asian descent wrongly accused uh, but then you know in the end they, they there was never an indictment or, or a case, but their lives have already been gravely disrupted, if not destroyed. Do you see that kind of initiative, that kind of atmosphere also contributing to the fear about, you know, appearing to come close to to Chinese, especially official institutions?
0: Well, absolutely. I would say it's this kind of uh, FBI is uh... China Initiative, uh, even though it was uh, officially suspended uh, under the Biden administration, but it had a chilling effect on American scholars, especially of Chinese descent, or uh, just the Chinese nationals who are doing research in America, because they would worry, they they would become so concerned that anything that they share with their Chinese uh, colleagues, for pure academic purposes, could be used as evidence against themselves. And could be used uh, in courts or by the justice department in their investigations against them. Absolutely chilling. And so, and this applies not just to Chinese or Chinese American solution. Um, The story that I heard is that American scholars are also very concerned so now the they are kind of unwilling to take the step to reach out to their America, chinese counterparts to conduct the scientific research
1: what about students uh, for instance you have a lot of students who are in foreign studies i would imagine that many of them would have liked to go to the united states for study have their uh Uh, have they had second thoughts for all kinds of reasons, either economic um, consideration or the political atmosphere that's not so welcoming? Um, Of course, the COVID has had an effect as well. But overall, do you see, because the trend, as I can tell, started already before kind of um, the, um, the, the pandemic.
0: My sense is that my students are still very keen to go to the United States, but they are, at the same time, very, very concerned about the their own visa applications, about their safety in the United States, about whether they would be welcomed by their host institutions. So you are right. Uh, but there's this uh, very conspicuous anxiety about going to America.
1: What about the other way around? The uh, official statistics seem to point to the number of American studies studying China to only about 400 currently. Uh, That is a huge drop from about 10,000 that that was before the uh, pandemic started, which is already lower than before President Trump came into office, before the whole fiasco right, about the, the tension between the two sides.
0: Uh, the number that I have is actually even lower than the one that you just cited. You say less than 400. The number I have is uh, fewer than 300. I think it's around 285. Now, before pandemic, you mentioned like, I think it's over 15,000 uh, 15, American students were studying in China. And so just uh, four years later, you had fewer than 300. So this is a absolutely a signal that American students are also very unwilling to come over to China.
1: What are the reasons? What could be you know, possibly driving that?
0: You know, I, I was in the United States in January, in the past of January for three weeks. I talked to a lot of, uh, of my American counterparts and interlocutor, uh, interlocutors, and what they told me is that they are just concerned uh, about this, uh, as I just mentioned, this uh, so-called wrongful detention, uh, hostile environment in China to Americans, um, uh, they are uh, somehow just have this. I would call this a uh, paranoia about being in China and being harassed or detained uh, by the Chinese government. And but of course, I don't know where they got this uh, paranoia, like being. Uh, so of freedom coming over to China. I don't know. I, I would just say that perhaps it's because of these media stories from Fox News and from these, uh, you know, social media stories uh, about how American student uh, students and some American scholars were treated here. But of course, you know, these stories could be totally false.
1: Do you think the situation will continue to get worse as we're entering also another election cycle? Or do you think it's pretty much as bad as it can get and slowly momentum will build up towards slightly warmer situation than the people-to-people front?
0: I think uh, it will probably get better, but only slightly better in the coming months and uh, up to the election cycle next year. Uh, I say this, uh, I mean, I'm being more uh, optimistic this time because you look at Anthony Blinken is here, uh, uh, Janet Yellen was here, and then there's reports that you know, John Kerry would be in town uh, very soon. And then uh, my personal story then, you know, I met with an, uh, a group of American scholars uh, over the weekend. And so all these are uh, you know, kind of encouraging signs that once you have these scholars go back to America and they tell their American colleagues, say, oh, no, 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 China is not what you guys think. You know, you should go and travel to China. We had a great experience here
1: what what can be some of the things that can be done to help alleviate this kind of uh, paranoia that you just mentioned on the china, on the part of the chinese government uh do they genuinely welcome more scholarly exchange more student exchange with the united states
0: absolutely you know my my understanding of chinese government policy is that number one as president xi jinping said china is firmly committed to open itself up to the outside world. China is committed to, uh, to globalization. So I think you know one way perhaps we can do to send out a kind of a reassuring signal to Americans is that we can continue to invite uh, delegations of American scholars, American students, and uh, give them visas, uh, make the visa application process easier and, uh, and uh, you know, give them more uh, kind of freedom to travel around the country. And and then things like this, I think that they can uh, triple back to America. And so uh, uh, word of mouth and this, you know, could help people to, uh, you know, assuage their kind of a uh, fear and anxiety.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I I hope and I believe that you also hope, too, that the situation can improve slowly but steadily. Many thanks to Professor Shi Tao from Beijing Foreign Studies University for sharing with us your insights.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Professor Shi Tao, Dean of School of International Relations and Diplomacy at Beijing Foreign Studies University. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point. With me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, using the handle lu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point.